Welcome to Jedi Master's Degree. I'm Biggs. Today we're going to cover Rebel Mission to Ord Mandel, which was a radio drama made for NPR that was released in 1983. It also was an album for a little while that I believe is not for sale anymore unless you find a used copy somewhere. But before we get into all of this, I want to remind you that we have an email address. It's JediMastersDegree at gmail.com. Give me an email and let me know what you like, what you don't like, and what you like to hear in the future. I already got season one in the books, but I'm looking forward to season two. This whole album comes about from one line in Empire Strikes Back. And it's from when Han decides to leave Hoth at the very beginning of the movie. And he says that that bounty hunter and Ord Mandel changed my mind. So now we're going to find out about that bounty hunter from Ord Mandel. But let's talk a little bit about Brian Daly, who wrote this. He also wrote the Han Solo adventures that we talked about earlier. He's not with us anymore, but he graduated in 1965 and immediately served in Vietnam for a year. During his 20s, Daly was working as a waiter and cleaning FedEx trucks for a living. He sent Owen Locke at Del Rey Publishing an unsolicited story, and with Locke's help, it became a hit. It was his first novel, Doomfares of Cormande. It's a story about a unit in Vietnam that's transported to another world and has to kill a dragon. Weird, but yeah, I guess it was a hit, so... His next book, which was a sequel, also did well. So that's when he got assigned to those Han Solo stories that we talked about in Episode 9. He also wrote 20 Robotech books, as well as a couple other science fiction books. He also wrote some NPR radio dramas for A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, in addition to this one. And he died from pancreatic cancer a couple hours after finishing The Return of the Jedi radio dramatization. Honestly, he was doing Star Wars towards the beginning of his career, and it was the very last thing he did. I also want to mention, because the canon is crazy for this time, and obviously none of this is canon anymore. I'm sure I've mentioned that up top at the beginning of the series. So they used to do a Star Wars strip for the newspaper, and they had a story called The Bounty Hunter of Ord Mandel. And in that story, the bounty hunter was a cyborg-enhanced human named Score who worked almost exclusively on Ord Mantell. A couple months after the Battle of Yavin, he kidnapped Luke and Leia to try and snag Han, and more importantly, his bounty. His plan went sideways, and he was captured by the Imperials and sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel after he distracted them from snagging Solo. Score escaped the mines and aligned with other bounty hunters to get Han. They eventually found him on Hoth, and they were ready to turn him over to Boba Fett until Score figured out that Boba was working for the Empire so he decided to kill Han instead. They wrestled on the ground and Score accidentally shot and killed himself. So that's the alternate story for the bounty hunter of Ord Mandel. But for this story, let's talk about the cast really quick. So Chuck Riley was a narrator. Corey Burton plays Luke. Pat Paris played Leia. Tony Pope played C-3PO. He also played Cypher and the Dock Supervisor. We don't know who played Han or the ground control guy. It's just, I looked everywhere. I could not find it. It's just unknown. It's been lost the time. And then the sound effects like Chewing R2-D2 and the music were reused with George Lucas for permission. So here's the crawl from the story. After the destruction of the Death Star, the rebels were forced to abandon their base at the fourth moon of Yavin. Hunted by Darth Vader and the Imperial Star Destroyers, the rebels have taken refuge on the ice planet of Hoth and begun establishing a base there. But Princess Leia Organa and the other rebels know that to have the Empire locate them there would be a disaster. And so the dangerous job of diverting the Star Destroyer's attention falls to the Rebellion's most daring and capable warriors. 
Now the rebel X-Wing fighters draw near to a jungle world much like Yavin's fourth moon, as Lieutenant Commander Luke Skywalker and Captain Han Solo prepare to carry out a dangerous mission. By the way, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back had four ellipses, but as I noted, Return of the Jedi only had three, which is grammatically correct. But did they mean to do four? I'm confused. Like, how many ellipses is this radio drama supposed to have? I'm going to go with three right now, but maybe we'll go back and correct this in the special edition episode of season three. So Han and Luke take a pass through a jungle planet flying X-Wings, not the Falcon, during an Imperial patrol. They want to make the Empire think they're scouting jungle planets for the Rebel Alliance's new base instead of frozen wastelands like Hoth. Han mentions that it's dangerous. Luke says that the analyst said it would be safe. To which Han replies, you don't see the analysts flying this mission. Han quips that at the rate they're going, it will roughly take forever. Luke mentions that the patrol is supposed to appear behind them, so Han should send its sensors for that direction. As soon as the patrol shows up, they should leave immediately. Two Imperial cruisers come out of hyperspace with one right in front of them. Luke is mortified that their information is incorrect. TIE fighters come swooping down and fire. Luke tells Han to head past the cruiser, cutting them off. Han doesn't think that the X-Wing shields will be able to handle the cruiser's laser cannon. Luke tells Han he's a genius, and Han, not knowing what to make of this, tells Luke, Yeah, we say that too. Luke tells Han to stay close as possible. Han says that he can already read Luke's serial numbers. Luke has his friend bring up his deflector shields, and when he gives a word, R2 incorporates the two shields together. The TIE fighters close in and they raise their shields. They slip past the Imperial cruiser surviving the cannon fire. They switch their deflectors to their aft. Right before the shields give out, they escape the Empire. Han says that even Hoth sounds nice after this. Luke tells Han that they have a top-secret mission, but this time it involves Chewie, Leia, and C-3PO. Leia will fill them in on the details when they get back to Hoth. Leia asks 3PO at Echo Base if R2 understands exactly what she wants him to do. 3PO says he does and the programming tape fed to him was most specific. R2 points out that he's very familiar with the computer system and the group meets up. Han asks Leia if they can turn up the heat in the deep freeze. Luke asks Han if he realizes that she wants him to cool off. He says that it'll take more than an ice cavern, Junior. Leia tells him to stop. You could cut the sexual tension between Luke and Leia with a vibroblade. Here we go again. It pains me to say this, but you're actually right. <laughs> He's gonna French kiss that girl someday. Leave. Now. Leia asks if the Falcon is ready. Han lets her know that Chewie managed it, but it wasn't easy due to the cold. Leia asks if Han is enjoying himself, and Han mumbles something negative. Luke jokes that he missed the place. Chewie guffaws, and Ben Burt gets a little check. Leia tells him that the Rebel Alliance needs credits. She has a way to get it, but it involves risk. Fortunately, this did not go the way it started to sound since this is a family show. Sort of. Well, it's not explicit anyway. One of her family investments, a trading company, was off-world. But the Empire seized it after they destroyed Alderaan, so the company is shipping a cash tribute to the Empire. Han quips that he's so strapped for cash he's thinking about hawking his metal. Chewie silently seeds. It's awkward. I mean, you can feel it on the radio even if you can't hear it. 3PO says it's enough money to pay for everything that the Hoth base needs. Money will be shipped out from a freight loading dock in Ord Mantel like any other shipment so that it's not conspicuous. They will switch out the containers before the Empire gets it by switching loading instructions in the computer. 
Leia has a master code to break in, which was a family secret. R2 will manipulate the system, and Chewie will keep the Falcon ready for liftoff. Han and Leia escort R2 to the CPU terminal. Luke will drive the money away with 3PO in case he has to deal with the computer. Luke can't have his blaster with him, but he'll have his lightsaber since he doesn't think anybody will know what it is. Because apparently everybody forgot that the Jedi's existed 20 years after the Jedi Council fell. Never mind, that's a gripe for Season 3. Leia will authenticate the order with the palm print. Then she'll release the lock on another terminal. A rebel agent named Fodris is working there, and he'll be able to sneak him in. He's a Nalrithian, a sentient insectoid, which is a race that has a hive mind. Han doesn't trust Nalrithians. 3PO chastises him for being intolerant of a non-human. Han points out that they're hatched. Leia says that Fodris has risked his life multiple times for the rebels. He says that he can't count on a bug. Luke points out that Han trusts Chewie to fly the Falcon, and Han says Chewie's a whole different case. He says it's because Nalrithians are too close to their egg mates and can mind link when they're close together. Leia points out that Fodris's egg mate found out about his links to the Rebellion and tried to kill him. They had a struggle and he sadly killed his brother. Han relents. But he shouldn't have. 3PO suggests that the Falcon should maintain a low profile since it's tracked by Darth Vader. Also, Jabba the Hutt has upped the bounty on him. Han says not to worry because they have loads of fake codes and registrations for it. Apparently he has them piled up like parking tickets stuffed into the glove compartment of a rusted out 92 Metro. They land on Ord Mandel and R2 Jackson and enters the Master Code. Han lets it slip to Fodris that Leia was the Princess of Alderaan by calling her Your Highness. Fodris seems a little too interested. The palm print works and they tell Luke to get ready and to make sure to get the correct shipment. Fodris seems a little too interested in that as well, to be honest. Fodris pulls a blaster and tells Solo that he better not reach for his weapon. Solo's more valuable to him alive and he wouldn't hesitate to shoot him. Fodris reveals that he's the bounty hunter, and a better one at Greedo or anyone else that he's killed. He then reveals that he's not Fodris, but his eggmate. That's right, Fodris didn't kill his eggmate, his brother killed him in a mind link. Then he took Fodris's place. Also, because of the mind link, he knows everything that Fodris knew. He then has Han toss his blaster to him. He tells him that his name is Cypher, and he sides with the Empire because he only cares about money. Leia says that the Rebel Alliance will outpay whatever he's promised. Cypher mentions that if that were true, they wouldn't be risking being on Ord Mundell to try and steal money. He also says that the Empire will be very pleased with him while he collects Han's bounty with Jabba. He tells R2 to disengage with the computer and R2 refuses because he does what he wants. Am I right? Leia demands that R2 disengages so that he doesn't get shot. Then he tells him that the crate will not be released from its locks. He takes a comlink and has Han throw his gun belt away as well to avoid any surprises. Han hits him with the gun belt and disarms him. He shouts at Leia to stand back. Cypher said that no one has ever disarmed him before and he can see that Solo's earned his reputation. He tells him to keep away from his blaster. Cypher says that he's closer than Han and that he can't win. And this is where it gets a bit ridiculous because it's a radio drama and they're saying every single intention before they do it. It's really just this one scene, but man, it's just, I'm going to do this. Oh yeah? Well, I'm going to do this. Oh yeah? Well, I'm going to talk about this again for 15 seconds before I'm going to do this.
it just doesn't make sense, but that's a radio drama for you. So they run to their weapons and both fire. Han beats him and fires the coup de gras. Cypher's final words is that they'll never get off the planet alive because he's a villain and he says villainous things. Han shouts to Leia to make sure they release the lock on the crate. She says they're too late. Once the sequence stops, the master computer can't start it again and the alarms will ring. Han tries to warn Luke, but the comlink broke when he threw the gun belt at Cypher. They ran to the Millennium Falcon to contact him there. Luke can't contact Han while the container's in the area. C-3PO starts distressing. He apologizes for distressing, and then he distresses all over again. Luke tells 3PO to stay behind him and let him do the talking. 3PO curses that this is probably all R2's fault. A dock loader asks Luke what he's doing. Luke says that he's just trying to make sure his cargo is okay. The man chastises him and says he's doing his job correctly. He asks for Luke's paper. He okays it, but isn't quite sure why the shackle hasn't released. Luke tells him, how should I know? I just work here. The dock loader says, I've never seen you before, and Luke lies and says he started yesterday. The guy seems to accept it, but then he asks, what about the droid there? He doesn't look like any heavy labor droid that I've ever seen. Maybe I better lock down the controls until I can find out what this is all about. 3PO quickly says he's a medical droid and someone who piloted the ship got sick. He needs to check it for contamination. The man tells him to get in there and clean it. The last thing he needs is a pandemic and everyone getting trapped inside for long periods of time without toilet paper, stuck for extended periods with their children who their only hobbies are listening to YouTube shows loudly and fighting and avoiding remote learning. (laughs) Sorry, long day. 3PO starts to ramble and the man tells him to shut up and get to work. Luke has the droid warm up the engines to the ship and the stormtroopers appear. Luke tells C-3PO to pilot the ship. 3PO protests and Luke tells him he's got to. Luke slices through the shackle with his lightsaber and grabs the landing gear while the ship takes off. Chewie says that the Imperial garrison is on high alert. They start up the Falcon and decide to try and get Luke. Mr. Skywalker can't get a hold of them and tells them to be prepared for a flying catch. They open the hatch and float the ship on the landing pad. Alright, so that's it. Pretty short episode. It was only a half hour radio drama and when you're retelling it, you know, it goes a little bit quicker. But like I said, these episodes are as long as they need to be. So check out next episode when we talk about the Lando Calrissian adventures, the trio of novels that were written right after Return of the Jedi. May the Force be with you. Hagwa Nagata. Do it anyway. Gradio Kuchu. Oh. Is that the V Moda Crossfade M100 headphones? Mianda Porca Chupoca. Uh, first the shirts and now this. Can I get your cousin's number? Ho 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 ho. We have so many shows on the Not Safer Network. Download the entire first season of the show Not Afraid of the Star Wars fan base, but maybe it should be? Jedi Master's Degree! Two movies enter and only one movie leaves. Listen to Box Office Battle. 
Learn the history of television one show at a time with the podcast In Syndication. Music, anime, pop culture, movies, TV show, and the random babbling of two dudes who need to find something better to do. Check out A Feast of Geeks. The podcast that's perfectly described with its title, Movies with Wrestlers. And download the entire first season of the radio drama about a serial killer ripped from the pages of a hundred-year-old cookbook, A Thousand Ways to Please a Husband.